Have you ever seen Richard Gere or Harrison Ford in the same room with Mothman at the same time? <laughs> no. <laughs> saying some of this stuff's not adding up. <laughs> How old is Richard Gere? <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> he was probably like 10 years old when this all happened. <laughs> I'm Paige. And I'm Megan. And this is Spooky Science Sisters. Hello, you're listening to Spooky Science Sisters, a podcast where we present to you a science-based and probably very giggly discussion on all things strange and unusual. Our substitute sister for this episode (laughs) is Ellen Weatherford, host of the Just the Zoo of Us and Spellbound and Gagged podcasts, which I've been a guest on the latter before. And she is going to help me tell you all about one of our favorite cryptids, Mothman. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you again. Like you mentioned, not my first time talking to you, but we've talked about volcanoes this time. So now we're in my wheelhouse, sort of. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I had this episode sort of like pegged for this fall, and I knew that I wanted to get you on here. And I was like, do you know who would be perfect for like moths and owls? It's Ellen. (laughs) Moths and owls are such fall vibes, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the perfect sort of like early spooky season. Such autumnal <laughs> episode <animals>. to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so do you just want to tell people a little bit about yourself, a little bit about the shows that you do, and that the end we'll sort of like recap that and give you a chance to tell people where they can find you, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. your deal, Alan? <laughs> Absolutely, my whole deal. Uh I'm some rando with a microphone. And (laughs) my husband and I do the podcast Just the Zoo of Us, which is an animal review podcast where every episode, each of us picks an animal. Usually they've been requested by listeners. And we review them by rating them out of 10 in different categories (laughs) uh, to kind of assess their physical, behavioral, and aesthetic sort of adaptations. You know, just like how much we like them. How good are they? Like. Are they pretty? Are they cute? Are they cool looking? But also like a comprehensive look at like what makes this animal successful? What kind of like circumstances has it adapted to? Why is it the way that it is? And that's for our co-hosted episodes that we do together. But we also do guest episodes where I talk to different experts from whether they're zookeepers or wildlife researchers who like go out and do field work or people that, you know, do work in labs or all sorts of different scientists from all sort of walks of life that come Mm -hmm. on to tell me about the animals that they study and work with. So um, it's a lot of fun. It's family friendly. So you can listen with kids if you've got kids in the car or anything like that. And it's a good time that we joke around and have fun learning about animals. Yeah, I should put it on when my daughter's in the car because she's She's four, so like anything. (laughs) Animals she's very excited about. Although right now we're going through more of like a space phase, but what a great phase to go through. (laughs) Yeah. She likes to tell people because I mean she knows that I'm a scientist. She knows her aunt Paige comes from a science background and stuff. So she's like very into like telling me, like, I'm gonna be a scientist when I grow up. And right now it's I'm gonna be a space scientist when I grow up. And I was like, Okay. (laughs) If she's anything like every kid I've ever met, she will vehemently actively avoid whatever you're interested in. Like whatever you want, she'll be like, absolutely not. 
Yeah. Although, to be fair, she does really like rocks and, like, that's, you know. She gets it honest. A a geologist by training and, like, got that from my mom. So, apparently, it's, like, a genetic thing. We're just, like, little. What a cool thing to run in the family, though. We're, like, little crows. Like, we see shiny rocks and it's, like, yeah, (laughs) that's for me. (laughs) Okay. So, that is Just the Zoo of Us. Awesome. But you also do another show as well. I do. Yes. It's called Spellbound and Gagged. Had to go on a little bit of a hiatus from making that show because it's a passion project that I do for fun. Uh, And we just moved (laughs) across the country and got COVID and stuff. So like we had too much going on. I had to push pause on that one, but I'm coming back to it because I love it dearly. Um, And that's just a podcast about, you know, the science and history behind stuff that is weird or gross or unsettling (laughs) or maybe sometimes spooky you join me to talk about uh volcano super volcanoes and volcanic eruptions uh we had also (laughs) talked about um you know the destruction of pompeii and Mm -hmm. you know we've talked about space sex and parasites (laughs) and all sorts of spooky stuff so that one's not safe for work that is yeah right that's after the kids have gotten out of the car that's after you've dropped them off at school and you're driving home by yourself (laughs) (laughs) yeah which like i mean if you didn't already know that from the title like (laughs) like i think it gets the message across right yeah somebody someday is gonna leave a review like (laughs) i had no idea this wasn't for kids it's a user error (laughs) skill issue what do you think the title referred to (laughs) whatever try reading i don't know (laughs) okay awesome what is your connection to just the zoo of us in terms of like do you have like a background in biology or wildlife biology or anything or is this just like i love it and i wanted to do a show about it yeah it was basically like me and my husband Definitely did not really know what we were getting ourselves into. And we both, you know, I have always loved animals and everything uh, that I ever did, like hobby wise, always somehow got like looped back into animals, right? So if I was really into art, it would be art of animals. I was really into photography. I take photographs of animals. So like everything creative Mm -hmm. always tied back into it. But my husband and I had gotten really into podcasts, like listening to podcasts. And we Mm -hmm. just, you know, wanted something fun to do together, a hobby to like try a skill to learn. So we were like, you know what, I think it'd be really fun if we see what it's like to make a podcast. Yeah, And we kind of, you know, threw it together, had fun with it. And then just didn't stop doing that for four years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We have a lot of fun with it. But like, no, we don't. Neither of us has like a biology background or anything like that. Um, but just over the time that we've been doing the show, we get really in depth in our research. Like we yeah. end up like waiting, <laughs> like we're like waist deep in like <laughs> scientific journals and stuff. And, and I've gotten to talk to so many like very extremely accomplished, you know, biologists and stuff on the show that right. I've just like learned a lot over the time that we've been making. Yeah. And it really kind of over time became a legitimate like science communication career <laughs> that I like, yeah. sort of like weaseled <laughs> myself into. <laughs> whatever (laughs) so it was just awesome just kind of a passion project that uh, i Uh refuse to let go of yeah well why would you (laughs) you're stuck with me now (laughs) good well before we get to mothman we will do something spooky i can go first Paige and i are fresh off of our trip to salem massachusetts which finally happened 
which was like a total dream. And if people follow us on social media, you probably saw a lot of photos of us documenting that trip. And like, I can tell you now that Paige and I straight up cried standing in front of the witches. I could totally <laughs> relate to that. That's because that's such like a historical, you know, like you feel yeah. so like connected to history. That's really cool. Right. And like we've been, you know, reading about it and making plans of where we're going to go and all this stuff for years now. And it was just like it sort of all hit us like we are here. We're doing <laughs> this. Like we're so excited about all of this. And so, yeah, we straight up just cried. It's out like there. meeting a celebrity. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it's a house. It's like a really <laughs> shitbag guy. Like, <laughs> was a judge in the trials, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and I guess the other thing that is like sort of on the something spooky side, uh, this recording has some very coincidental timing because the annual Mothman Festival just took place this past weekend. So we're right on time. <laughs> I would love to go to that festival someday. I know. <laughs> I, I'm not an Appalachian person. Um, I've, mm-hmm. I've like traveled through that area, but I'm not from there. Uh, but yeah. I would definitely love to participate in some of the Mothman festivities. Yeah. I mean, that part of like West Virginia is really pretty and like, I guess, southeastern mm-hmm. Ohio. Um, I know. I got to go though. I have like family in Ohio that's like close enough where I feel like I could justify like mm-hmm. a long day trip drive. Such like, incredible uh like american gothic sort of like content that comes out of appalachia yeah (laughs) it's the most goth region i think (laughs) of the country (laughs) (laughs) sure (laughs) um (laughs) yeah and mostly i just like really want to touch that statue's butt so isn't it like the sort of thing where it's like polished on the butt (laughs) I don't know if it's gotten more polished or not, because it's pretty shiny already. Like, I don't know if it's supposed to get, like, a patina (laughs) on it or anything or, like, oxidation on it to make it less shiny. But, yeah. Like, people reported that it was, like, like hours-long line to go up and take a picture with the statue. And I was like, and everyone's taking a picture with the butt, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) You just rotate that camera right on around to the back. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Okay, so Alan, has anything spooky happened to you recently so, that you'd like to share? <laughs> yes, something spooky did happen to me recently, although it's not the thing that happened that was spooky. It was just that I had a spooky sort of reaction to it, which, by the way, I'm a okay. wuss. I am a huge <laughs> wuss. I'm so easily scared. I just watched the movie Nope. Uh, like oh. just watched it because wow. now it's like for free on streaming and I could watch uh-huh. it in my home in broad daylight with all the lights on. Like that was the <laughs> setting in which I was comfortable watching that movie. Great movie. I loved it. But um, yeah. I did recently take my two children. So I have a nine and a two year old over to this place that I like found on Google Maps. I thought it looked really, really cool to go to is this river gorge nearby. Um, I'm like south oh. of Seattle. So this was out okay. in the mountains in Washington near like Snoqualmie. And I went to this river gorge because it just looked cool, like a fun thing to do with the kids to tire them out for the morning. Uh-huh. And we get there. In order to get to the river gorge, you have to enter through like a private like 
place where there's like a, a house set up where you're supposed to pay admission to get in. You go through okay. a fence and the fence takes you through these extremely rickety stairs. And the stairs are down a sheer like cliff face. So it is very, very steep. The stairs are very rickety. There is like no handrails. And I've got two kids in tow with me walking down a cliff. And also when we got there and the whole time that we were like driving to, this is in the middle of nowhere. I have no signal on my phone. We saw and heard from zero human beings. <laughs> like there was oh, nobody no. at the house <laughs> taking admission. It was one of the things you just like drop money into and oh, it's like an honor okay. system sort of thing. Yeah. And yeah. the door was just like unlocked and opened. It was like, put right. your money here and then figure it out, I guess. So I walked down there with my kids down the cliff very mm-hmm. steep. We get down there. I suddenly realize how fast the river's flowing and the river is loud. So I'm realizing that if my kids get more than like 10 feet away from me, I can't hear them. Um, oh. I realize there is nobody around because it's a weekday morning <laughs> yeah. in the fall and there's no <laughs> human beings around. I have both of my kids with me. I have no signal on my cell phone. I am completely alone with my two kids. Yeah. And this like extremely fast deep river that's flowing right by us that my kids are trying to like play in and i was like i can't yeah. this is an unsafe situation <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just like that hitting you like this is maybe not a great it was idea. it was like as we were down there and the kids start playing and having a good time and yeah. it slowly sinks in i'm like i've made a huge mistake <laughs> I should not be here at all. Yeah. Well, and especially like you're you're there and the kids are having fun and you have to be like, actually. I'm like see- <laughs> trying my best to like hide the panic attack that's like growing in my brain. Yeah. I'm like, okay, not to freak the kids out or anything, but we got to go. <laughs> this is not cool. But okay. Yeah. So that was just like not a spooky thing that happened to me, but it was extremely spooky to me. And I guess the moral of the yeah. story is like you know plan your trips if you're going out like in nature <laughs> like be near other human beings <laughs> yeah but i mean like presumably you know somebody knew like your husband knew where you were going he did he knew where i was going but like was like an hour away right so like if yeah. something happened i was out of luck but i have something way more on topic though okay <laughs> like one or two years ago my husband and i were sitting in our living room watching tv and it's in the middle of the night it's like seriously past midnight and Mm -hmm. we hear a blood curdling scream in the woods behind our house like oh no like high-pitched shrieking scream there's Mm -hmm. like a woods on the other side of the retention pond in our backyard there's screaming Uh in the woods and we looked at each other and we were like oh shit what what was that (laughs) so we pause the tv listen really closely maybe like 10 15 seconds go by and we hear it again loud shrieking scream and we're like what is that we go outside into the backyard to get a better listen for it and then it (laughs) keeps every like 30 seconds or so there's this consistent it sounds exactly the same every time blood curdling scream like okay it sounds like a child and so we look at each other we're like did a kid get lost in the woods out there we were like close to calling the cops because we were like i think there's someone out there that's in trouble and needs help and after, like, a little bit of that, eventually the screaming stops. I thought to, like, take a recording of it with my phone, just in case, like, the oh, no. cops came around looking for anybody or something. Yeah. Come to find out later, you know what it was? A juvenile great horned owl. 
Ah. <laughs> and apparently when they're Very in this, topic. yes, when they're in this like teenager phase where they're just about mm-hmm. to be like reared and like to leave the nest and stuff, the yeah. parents stop coming back to feed them. <gasps> Like, they're like, you're good. You can figure it out. So so they just sit there and scream about it? They just sit and scream. <laughs> and apparently they just do that. And then eventually, after like a few nights of that, they get the idea. Like, okay, I guess I have to go get my own food now and yeah. they stop. But uh, there was just one doing that behind our house. Uh, it's basically the owl version of like the cry it out method. <laughs> it was so, like, I was, I knew they were tough loving their little owl out there. I was dying. Oh, no. We were so close yeah. to calling the cops on this owl. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that it's happened like many times before. Probably. But yeah, that was terrifying. We were legitimately so scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although that reminds me, the other night, I, I guess I was night before last i think i had gone to bed fairly early so i think by the time this happened i was like deep asleep but luckily it's the time of year we can have like windows open and fresh air in the house or whatever um and i know there's coyotes around because we live you know sort of on the edge of civilization (laughs) like they must have like come like right into the field or something that's like behind our house because they had clearly they were super excited about something so i'm guessing they caught something but they start like yipping and making a bunch of noise Mm. and crying out and it like woke me from a dead sleep and i was like I love coyotes like doing their yips and oh my gosh it's beautiful yeah, I like I like to hear them like from a distance and stuff, but yeah, waking me up from dead <laughs> sleep in the middle of the night cuz they like caught something behind my house. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> and they're just celebrating. I know. They were just happy. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we're going to talk a lot more about owls. <laughs> I love talking about next- owls. I'm so here for it. <laughs> 40 minutes or so. One of my favorite um, things to talk about. Yes. Okay, so we will, if you're ready, dive right into Mothman. I'm ready. And we'll start with sort of the background, which is the original story, a little bit about where it's gone from there. We will do some debunking, and then we're going to talk a little bit about moths and yeah. giant bugs. Amazing. <laughs> courtesy, courtesy of Alan. I'm chomping at the bit to talk about giant bugs. I'm super excited about <laughs> it. <laughs> I was like, that is perfect way to do this. <laughs> so most people say that the legend of Mothman starts on a dark, cold night in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And this is November 15th, 1966, to be exact. That night, Roger and Linda Scarberry were driving on State Route 62 with friends Steve and Mary. I don't know if it's Millette or Mallet, but I don't know. If we're saying like the more French way, it'd be Millet, so we'll go with that. Uh, but not far from the abandoned National Guard Armory Building and Power Plant. And that area is also apparently known as the TNT area <laughs> because they used to manufacture explosives. Uh, during World War II. So it's already like sort of spooky vibes being out there, probably. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's not somewhere I would be hanging out if I had. Right. (laughs) But they're driving out there. So, you know, I have my thoughts about that as well. But they are are driving out there and they are confronted with a supposedly monstrous creature standing in the road. And I don't know if it's like in the middle of the road to the side of the road, 
no one really clarifies that. But this creature was six to seven feet tall with eyes that shone bright red in the headlights. And it had white or grayish wings, which is something that I think you never see in sort of like modern interpretations of it. It's always just like all black in the drawing. But this, she, Linda Scarberry specifies white or grayish wings. Uh, Roger panics. He turns the car around and speeds away. Apparently this creature gives chase, initially rising up into the air. <laughs> Like a helicopter would. Amazing. Straight up. Although they also noted that it like ran very clumsily. So it's like at what point was it running and what point was it like taking off or I don't know. The details are a little fuzzy. Do you happen to know if they mentioned whether this thing had both arms and wings or just wings? You know, I would have to look. They definitely say it was like a man, but. Okay. I'm just wondering because, you know, typically animals that vertebrates that have wings, they're adapted from the arms. So if you see a vertebrate with wings, like a bird or a bat, it's because they have just the hind legs and then just the wings because that's just the wings. You know, it came from their arms. So you don't have a vertebrate with like six limbs because if they had both arms and wings, that would be six limbs. And you don't really yes. see that in vertebrates. Yeah. So this is Linda Scarberry described it as a slender, muscular man, about seven feet tall with this, this source says white wings. Mm. So like that suggests like arms and wings. I, could, I don't yeah. know. I think the statue has arms and wings. If you're going by like a strict interpretation of like man with wings, then I guess he would have both arms and wings. Yeah. The statue definitely has arms and wings. Interesting. (laughs) So, okay, Roger's panicking. We're speeding away. The creature gives chase. Apparently, it flies as fast as 100 miles per hour because that's how fast the car is going. And it pursues them until about they reach the city limits. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, it's just like a classic creature encounter. Right. And then as soon as they're around other people who would be there to corroborate the story, all of a sudden it's gone. (laughs) It's like, oh, surprise. It didn't follow us anymore. Yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) uh, Okay. They must have like gone to the police or something because the story ends up in the news the next day and the headline sort of cracks me up. But this is from the Point Pleasant Register. It says, couples see man-sized bird creature something. So they hadn't really like, they don't described know. the moth label to it yet at this point. No, no, that comes later. Mm. I should say, I should say, I'm super skeptic. Like, I am as far as you can get on, like, the skeptic end of things. Yeah. I'm also, like, pro-cryptid. I think it's fun. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm down with it. <laughs> That's, like, literally the vibe of our entire show. It's, like, very skeptic. I don't actually think, like, any of this is... Like, true in the sense that there's, like, a Mothman Like, literally, physically true. (laughs) Yeah. But I like the idea of cryptids. Like, if somebody had the right type of proof or evidence, whatever, count me in. (laughs) It's also just fun. It's fun. And it's also just fun. Have fun. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And and some level, it's like, I'm not going to be a dick. Like, it's just (laughs) fun. And Mothman's sort of, like, the definition of that. Like, nobody's being an asshole about Mothman. (laughs) (laughs) 
the Bigfoot people can be assholes sometimes. The UFO people can be assholes sometimes. I don't think there are any Mothman assholes out there. Because, <laughs> like, he just seems like he's just such a little guy. You know, like- I know. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mothman's like the cozy cryptid. He, oh my gosh, he <laughs> guess- so is too. <laughs> and like, not to the Scarboroughs there, because they're pretty sure they like feared for their life. They're like, hell but- no, this thing's going to rip us to shreds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this thing's it. Yes. So some people say that like maybe a couple grave diggers working in a cemetery saw Mothman earlier, which, like, of course they do. So Scarboroughs may have been second, but, like, it's the most famous of the early sightings. So sightings of this Mothman would continue over the next year. People saw him, like, lurking outside of their houses. Apparently someone had a dog run after him, and, like, I think the dog disappeared so they were like they thought that mothman ate the dog oh so i guess mothman is also carnivorous okay <laughs> when we get to the moth section i'll have to ask you like are, are moths carnivorous i have no idea what moth not eat. in the adult form there's like a yeah a, like one species of moth that i know of that lives in hawaii uh, it might even be a butterfly now that i think of it but either way that is carnivorous as a caterpillar okay but not as an adult I mean, okay. they don't even have mouth parts. They don't eat anything as adults. So, well, yeah. some of them do. Yeah, but yeah. you know what I mean. No, you wouldn't worry about that with the with the moth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure not. Uh, <laughs> I'm like not even clear that they have jaws. But anyway, um. <laughs> yeah, with a lot of moths, once they reach the adult like stage with wings, that's the end of the mm-hmm. line for them. They don't eat anymore. After that, not yeah. like all moths, but a lot of moths, like Luna moths or like the big sort of impressive yeah. moths. When they reach that stage, they don't eat anymore. They're purely reproductive. Like yeah. their whole entire purpose for the next like week of their life is just reproducing. There you go. There you go. Which might either make Mothman scarier or less scary. Maybe that's what he's after. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> it explains the butt on the stack. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So maybe he eats a dog. Maybe the dog just runs away. We don't know. But these were all after the newspaper story had run, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we'll, yeah, we'll come back around. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it culminates in... The other most famous sighting, which happens a little over a year later, which takes place on December 14th. Some places just say December 15th, but then a more reliable source said the bridge collapse was the day after. So I'm going to go with 14th, 1967, with Mothman sitting on top of or flying above the Silver Bridge, which would go on to collapse the next day, killing 46 people. And... This happens. They've like had all these weird sightings in the town. So a lot of people take the coincidental sighting to be an omen and that Mothman was like either warning them or somehow caused the bridge collapse. I don't know. Anything, I guess, to like forgive negligence on the part of bridge maintenance. Oh, right. Surely it's not our infrastructure's (laughs) fault. No, it couldn't be us. It was Mothman. (laughs) It was definitely Mothman that either tried, yeah, that was related to this. So, you know, that's just people. But the story is ultimately popularized in the 1975 book, The Mothman Prophecies, which was written by John Keel, a famous ufologist or ufologist Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, because of course uh, which would be turned into the fictional movie of the same name starring 
It's Harrison Ford, isn't it? Or is it Richard Gere? I mix them up every time. Such I think a it's a badass Gere title, now. though. The Mothman Prophecies? The Mothman That's an incredible Proph- title. Oh, it's Richard Gere. I mix up Harrison Ford and Richard Gere. Have you ever all seen the them time. in the same room at the same time? I don't think I have, mm. so it could be the same. Mm. Do they look anything alike, really? No, they're just. Have you ever seen Richard Gere or Harrison Ford in the same room with Mothman at the same time? <laughs> No. <laughs> saying some of this stuff's not adding up. <laughs> How old is Richard? That's the question. <laughs> he is probably like 10 years old when this all happened. <laughs> now I gotta look it up. <laughs> Born in, oh, 1949. So he was like a solid 18 years old, 19 years you old. You can totally be seven feet tall at that age. Yeah. Okay. Well, so He's maybe closed. Richard Gere is Mothman. We figured it out. Um, <laughs> I believe it. Okay. So that's sort of the original story. We'll talk more about, you know, how does this turn into like what we think of as Mothman today and how it's branched out when we get into debunking. But I also wanted to note that there have been sort of like a rash of more recent sightings that were centered around the Chicago area. And I think they're sort of like still happening-ish. The latest date that I saw for them was like 2022. Hmm. But they started there in 2011 and peaked in 2017 with 55 sightings that year alone. It's an incredible range expansion for the Mothman. Yes. (laughs) And speaking on that, a quote from the NPR story that they did on Chicago Mothman really cracked me up. It said, although originating in West Virginia, it appears that moth people have expanded their range further north in the Chicago area, perhaps some suggest as a result of climate change. Now, that's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just love, like, (laughs) the juxtaposition of something that, like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, we are seeing, like, bugs and, like, birds, like, migratory patterns and stuff getting screwed up by differing temperatures and climate change and weather events and everything. But it's, like, to apply it to something like Mothman just, like, sort of makes me laugh. That is hilarious. Because <laughs> usually it doesn't go that well. I guess because of climate change, with everything getting warmer, things would be able to expand farther north than they've been able to in the past. Like we see that yeah. we see this in Florida where animals couldn't extend their range farther north because then they would hit an area where it freezes in the winter. So like yeah. Burmese pythons in Florida couldn't mm-hmm. expand out of the peninsula because if they got up too far north, it would freeze. They couldn't survive a freeze and they'd die. But over yeah. time, as it's not freezing in those areas like it should be because of global warming, the pythons yeah. are able to expand their range into areas they haven't been able to before and they're starting to get to where like they might be able to eventually escape the peninsula and expand into like the rest of the southeast there you go so that's that's good science (laughs) there's good stuff to it i know it's just like it's such a funny thing to apply it to mothman I love that. Although I think like West Virginia experiences freezing temperatures but like even between the period of like 2011 and then in 2017, up until now, like, we've had some, like, polar vortexes and mm. stuff like that. Like, oh, I don't know. That's pretty chilly. I do like the inclusion <laughs> of the word moth people, though. Moth people, yeah. Because <laughs> this expands know. it to just, like, one 
the Mothman, like a like a legendary Pokemon, how there's just like one of them, right? Yeah. And then now it's expanded yeah. to be like, oh, it's a species. Like, yeah. I yeah. like that. And I had like, yeah, I had the crisis earlier because I was like, how do you, t- like, what's the plural of Mothman? Like, Mothsmen. A lot of things. <laughs> Mothsman. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is it Mothmen? Is it Mothmans? <laughs> but then in order for there to be multiples of them, they would have to also have like females that they would be a, yeah. they would be moth people. Yeah, moth people. Do like or maybe that. it's like man in like the general sense of like human. Oh, true, know. yeah. <laughs> moth folk. Moth moth folk. That's I what like they'd that. be called in D and D, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked that hasn't shown up. Yeah, there should be like a cryptid. There's almost definitely thing. homebrew content out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, make it official. <laughs> or like, there should be like cryptid magic cards or something Give the like people that. what they want, Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> we all want a fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah. So, things are potentially happening in Chicago. Great. Love it. So, we have sort of like the range of Mothman sightings. If you dive into it, it's been around so long. It's like such an enduring, popular cryptid or monster story that like there are a ton of variations, a ton of sightings. Like they get zanier the further down you go. But those are sort of like the solid ones. Like we have the most documentation about stuff. And like even the Chicago stuff, like there have been like lots of news stories around the area. There have been like sightings from people who you'd think would be like relatively credible. Like there was like a firefighter at Chicago O'Hare who reported seeing one. So, you know, we'll give it a little bit of credibility. For that. <laughs> okay. So we will jump into debunking this. And the main theme here is like, it's probably owls. <laughs> <laughs> like funny because we just talked about the Flatwoods monster on our last episode and it was like also an owl. <laughs> They're so otherworldly, especially yeah. when you see them like on their turf, which is the nighttime, yeah. which is not when we're good yeah. at seeing stuff. Yeah, just like inherently spooky animals. And like there's lots of folklore that's like obviously much, much older than this that, like, casts owls as, like, otherworldly beings mm-hmm. or, you know, having some sort of magical powers. So I like that that's sort of just, like, an enduring thing. Yeah. So, anyway. Owls. There's also, with <laughs> owls, so owls have the sort of unique anatomy of having large, round eyes that face directly mm-hmm. forward. Which yes. is not something you see in a lot of other birds. Usually when you catch a bird from head on, they look really weird, right? Like yeah. their eyes are on the yeah. side of their head and they don't, it, you're like, oh, that's clearly a bird. But with yeah. an owl, they have like very human-like facial proportions yeah. that, yeah. you know, if you see them in low light settings when your eyes aren't very well adjusted, you could very well be like, that's a dude. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so like, we're pretty certain in the case of Flatwoods, like, Yes. So Flatwoods Monster, uh, our friend Joe Nickel from the Skeptical Inquirer, who's like not actually our friend. We just call him our <laughs> friend because we like what he does. Um, <laughs> Honorary friend. <laughs> Honorary friend. But so he initially thought 
that you could attribute Mothman sightings to barn owls, which is what he said for the Flatwoods monster. And apparently they really like to roost in like old or abandoned buildings. Uh, So like you're near like the old National Guard armory abandoned space. So like perfect place for them. They make creepy noises. (laughs) And so an ornithologist named Rob Beauregard is quoted saying, when it comes to haunted houses and ghosts, I've always assumed that's barn owls. (laughs) They make really bizarre noises and they like buildings that look haunted (laughs) so that was the initial thing though the problem with barn owls and being mothman is that they lack a really prominent red eye shine Mm. and that is like a big feature of linda scarberry's initial report and like other stories that are told about mothman Mm. is that they have a really strong red glowing eyes uh, in the lights or specifically in the car headlights. So Nickel, Joe Nickel actually thinks that Mothman may have been a barred owl because barred owls have a really strong red eye shine. They have more of like a loud, deep hoot, but like, you know. It's what you think of as like, when you think of an owl, they're the one that do the who cooks for you, right? That's like, yeah, yeah. it's very cute. I love it. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, they, they're owls. They can all like make some weird noises. Like you told a story about baby great horned owls like that have a very like, you know, as adults, like a very just typical owl sound. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get the juveniles and they're just like shrieking. Who <laughs> are just shrieking. Yeah. So owls in general can just make really weird noises. But this type of owl is known to inhabit the area where the sighting took place. Mm. And I'm sure you are wondering, though, like if we're going to say like, oh, this six or seven foot tall monster that people saw that like was a man with giant wings and flew super fast, all this stuff. Like how do we attribute this to a bird that stands like 17 to 20 inches high? Yeah. They're not that big. (laughs) They're not. Yeah. Barred owls especially like are not that big when it comes to owls. So we have a pretty good explanation, possible explanation for this as well. So Nickel apparently went on the show Monster Quest in 2010, which I forget what network that I'm just assuming it was like a discovery or a travel channel Sounds or like, like one, one of, of these shows. Yeah. <laughs> it's giving ancient aliens. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure it like went very, very off the rails, but like, yeah, but at least they had Joe Nickel on there. So like that is something, <laughs> but I guess he drove volunteers in that show. He drove volunteers down a dark road that had plywood, mothmen along it at like various intervals along it with bike reflectors for eyes <laughs> and all these mothmen were like of various sizes and after he did that no one was able to correctly guess the size of the cutouts after the fact huh. so basically it's hard to determine the size of something the real size of something that you're seeing at night it's at an unknown distance because like you know you have a hard time with your depth perception at night you're freaked out and like so people things will just appear larger than life a lot so it's like it's plausible mm-hmm. <laughs> that they saw an owl and like really just spazzed out also it. i would imagine if it was close enough that there there was enough light from the headlights to show you the color yeah. of the wings it would have to be yeah. really really close like to get that yeah, much visibility yeah. from the and headlight. if it like yeah if the owl got scared and like swooped towards the car mm-hmm. like they are 
still fairly large when in flight, like almost a four foot wingspan. So, you know. But also when owls fly, they're silent. There is no sound and there's no gust. There's no wind. Yeah. It's like it, when they fly by, it's like they're not there. So yeah. if you see them really, really close to you, but you're not receiving any other physical cues of something being close to you, like you could normally yeah. rely on hearing them or feeling the wind from them flying by. If you're not yeah. getting those cues, your eyes could very well just be thinking, oh, well, if I can't hear or feel it, it must just be so far away. And if it's that yeah. big and that far away, it must be enormous, right? So, like, just in the absence of other cues to tell your senses what you're seeing, your eyes yeah. can have to, like, fill in the blanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I can see so, that. Like, I feel pretty good about this thing. Like, I yeah. Like, I feel pretty good about the how hypothesis. But I have some, like, I have some extra thoughts Ooh. about things that could have been going For on. Sure. So, one thing that I also just like generally like about the owl hypothesis is that it even like fits with some of the coincidentally just fits with some of the mothman lore that he was like an ill omen and a warning about the bridge collapse i guess in mexican folklore they call owls lechuza which are shape-shifting witches that foretell bad fortune Interesting. and since Point Pleasant, Mothman sightings have gone on to be reported before, like, various natural disasters, like earthquakes, uh, and even 9-11. So, yeah. Like, maybe the real spooky he thing here is, like, owls are actually foretelling disasters that are happening. I would be curious to know whether those, the actual reports were made mm -hmm. before the disaster or if someone retroactively said oh yeah i saw it before this thing happened yeah yeah and my guess is like they saw it before and then the disaster happened and then they knew the mothman lore and were like maybe that was actually mothman or or could have seen <laughs> something that they maybe didn't quite understand or couldn't identify and then like filled yeah. it in later of like oh i saw this weird thing and then something happened that was bad. So based on what I know about Mothman appearing before bad things, it must have been Mothman. And then your brain can kind of like retroactively apply things that like it expects about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. so I wonder if something like that was going on. <laughs> but I would be interested to see if like the actual, like the people made the report of seeing Mothman. Mm -hmm. And then after they already made the report, then the thing happened. Then the bad thing. Right. Because yeah. then that would mean they would have made the report without having known that the thing happened that was supposedly an omen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This is just sort of a general fact. Yeah. Right? That would be something that I would just like, <laughs> if I had all the like reports in front all of me. All the time in the world. That would be something yeah, I would like... definitely be like, let me see if I can line these up. <laughs> yeah. How do these line up to like when these actually happened? I don't know. So... Owls are just, like, generally spooky in folklore, so I just kind of like that mm -hmm. connection that Mothman oh, yeah. also predicts bad things happening. I like that way more than, like, um, like Western mythology associates them with wisdom. I think because of their association with Athena, the goddess of wisdom. Mm -hmm. uh, owls are dumb as shit. They're so stupid. <laughs> like... There's this, like, assumption that, like, owls, because, I don't know, maybe it's because they yeah. have that human-like face, so people think, oh, I, you know, that, you must be a smart thing, because you look kind of like a human yeah. does. Uh, they're so stupid. Everybody that I've ever yeah. known that, like, works with owls or works with, like, raptors or, like, predatory birds is, like, 
No, because apparently the thing is that their eyes are so massive. They have these big, enormous cone-shaped eyes. And uh. their eyes take up so much room in their skull that there's not enough room left for much for brain. brain. So they have like really tiny brains and they're so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone I've talked to is like, yeah, they're so dumb. They're so cute though. Yeah, right. They make I love owls. They're just like dumb, adorable. No thoughts. Idiots. Head empty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. I was going to say, it's also worth noting that explaining at least that initial Mothman sighting, including some of the other earlier ones, as a bird has been a thing since the very beginning. So the Mason County Sheriff, who's named George Johnson, uh, which is like the most generic name you could ever... It's a fake-ass name. Um, <laughs> Chat GPT looking I was like reading it and I immediately got suspicious. It's like, protection looking like- name. <laughs> Um, but he dismissed the sightings as a large heron that he called a shite poke. And I was like, I don't Wikipedia, like put it in like shite poke. And then I didn't bother to like Google what (laughs) the fuck that actually means. I don't know what this guy's talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Like what type of heron? I should just Google it now. So I know. See if I can send you a link. Okay. I'm, I'm Googling shite poke and all it came up with was just heron. Oh, it's a green heron. There's no way. Oh, there's no way you would mi- mistake a heron for a human being from the front. <laughs> I mean, I'm very familiar with herons at night because, like I mentioned, like I used to live in a house with a pond behind it yeah. that had herons yeah. in it literally all the time. There's no way. Yeah. You would never mistake a yeah. heron for a- Yeah. So I think he was just like, it's a big bird, whatever. Some of the Chicago ones, like I even saw, so that's, or the Chicago area ones, someone was like, maybe it was a heron with a garbage bag on it. I was kind of thinking that if it was maybe something with a garbage bag, like, or yeah, or like, like a, a tarp part of something stuck to it, something mm-hmm. even at, at that size, a bear, like a black bear. Yeah. Um, oh, because sure. black bears come in a lot of different colors, right? They can be like pale. Yeah. You can have like yeah. a, a, also they can't fly. So I know they can't fly, <laughs> but also like, you know, if there was, uh, like something stuck behind it, then I don't know. That's just what yeah. the only thing I could think of to make the size component of it work would be that yeah. if it was a bear. Oh, or maybe, yeah, maybe it was like a bear that had something stuck on it. And then they like tear out of there in the car and the bear starts running. And bears are like really fast. And then you see like the tarp or whatever out behind That's it. True. So it looks like it's flying. Yeah. It's a whole new idea. That's the only <laughs> thing I could think to make sense with the size <laughs> of it. But it could just as well yeah. just be like a trick of the eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think he says heron because, like, they are like they are big, like their wings are big. But green herons are not that big. No, green so, herons are little. I don't know. Yeah, a lost sandhill crane was proposed by wildlife biologist Robert Smith because they have red around their eyes and are very large birds. It's not shiny though. <laughs> like the red around yeah, the eyes of like, sandhill yeah. crane is not. It's not an eye shine. It's just like skin. right. But they don't have shiny eyes and like just don't just herons cranes like they just don't generally match like the shape of mothman like having like they specifically say like no neck Mm -hmm. so like and it's like well that's an owl like they just look like their head into body (laughs) now if you see a heron from the front it would appear that it did not have a neck right because of how like the neck is so uh what do they call it um laterally compressed right okay like if a heron was flying directly at you you wouldn't really see any 
neck shape from it. Yeah, because they kind of bunch it up. Yeah, but they're still very, like, spindly, and yeah, I don't think you would mistake that for a person. Yeah, yeah. Although I've, like, had the shit scared out of me by sandhill cranes. Oh, for sure. Several times at work. Dude, just mean. <laughs> they're so mean. They're not mean. <laughs> no, they're sweet. In Florida, um, there's a huge problem with uh, sandhill cranes uh, attacking their reflections in people's cars. <laughs> so, like, the Department of Wildlife had to, like, put out a notice on their website, like, please put tarps over your cars. <laughs> Because sand, there's there's videos you could go on TikTok or like YouTube or whatever. There's videos of people yeah. in their cars in traffic, like filming from inside their car as a sandal <laughs> crane just like squares up to their car and starts like pecking the shit out of their door because it sees its reflection in the car door and thinks it's another crane. Yeah, well, that could match with some like the later stories about Mothman like attacking people's roofs, there so of like cars, <laughs> but. I guess I should feel lucky that they're not attacking our cars at work because they they're like little swampy areas around where I work. And we always get sandal cranes every year who raise babies. They must just be like chiller in your part. (laughs) They are. Yeah. Like because we I walk out and like, you know, they kind of just like sometimes I walked out and there's one like (laughs) like right there. At the door, it's like, oh god, it's amazing. It's like a dinosaur. It's so cool, waiting for me. But they're like, they're so amazing, mm-hmm. and I love them. So, yes. But anyway, I like could get how if I ran into one at night and it flew at me that I might poop my pants a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and panic. Mostly because that's a um, knife flying at your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like worried. Yeah, and like I think, um, I think they do say like for like great blue herons to like stay away from them like they've tried to like peck people's eyes out oh i believe it not great (laughs) (laughs) although that's sort of like generally the rule with wildlife just leave it alone yeah just don't (laughs) bother with any of that (laughs) yeah i do also want to take the chance here to bring up the fact that a cryptozoologist named mark a hall thought that mothman could be an undiscovered giant owl species (laughs) Which I love, but I mostly love that he proposed that it be called Big Hoot. <laughs> now, okay, I I wasn't on board at first, but I think you won me over. <laughs> right, right, like Bigfoot, Big Hoot, and I was like, oh, everyone had an opportunity here. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I, at first I was a no, but <laughs> the case has been made. <laughs> yeah so i don't know i'd be down for giant owl species (laughs) roaming west virginia yeah as great as it would be i mean there's like all sorts of you know ways that ecologists can know like whether there Mm -hmm. is a giant like predator in an area like without having seen it like you can still know whether Mm -hmm. it's there or not can you imagine have you ever seen owl pellets You ever seen those? Did you ever like dissect them in school yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Can you like imagine? They all had to dissect. If was... I hope they still do that. Do they still do that? Uh, you know, I don't know. They did when I was in school, at least. Um, yeah. Can you imagine the pellet dropped by a seven foot tall owl? Like we'd notice. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be so awesome. Though. That would be great. It'd that... be like Pomeranian bones. <laughs> like a beaver in it. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. They'd know. <laughs> I don't know. West Virginia is kind of remote. Um, people would like wake up in the middle like, of the night to like funk, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a hole in their roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a great point, though, just with like owl biology and the whole owl pellet thing. Like, it's not. We thing. would see it. We'd know. <laughs> We'd notice. Um, okay. So here's sort of like, my thoughts that I had floating around in my head. Cause that's sort of like the official debunking is like, this is an owl. This is a misidentification of an animal. You know, that's what happens. Like people get freaked out and things are larger than life and whatever. But so I had some thoughts about things. So first I was like, well, there are some alternatives. Like first they maybe just made the whole thing up <laughs> and then it like, snowballed out of control to like everybody seeing mothman mm-hmm. i was like what if roger was like speeding really bad and i tried to look up a little bit more about like roger and linda and the mallets and stuff and try to figure out like what their deal was like they just sort of described them as like young couples so it's like i don't like i wanted to have more time to like i don't know look them up and figure out like who they were what they did what their story was what they're hiding what they're hiding. Um, yeah. But I was like, what if Roger just got like pulled over by a policeman, <laughs> like on the outskirts of town, going like a hundred miles per hour on like what are probably 35 mile per hour roads. And he's like, I'm just going to tell this insane story about getting attacked by a giant bird man. And like, <laughs> like that's how I'm going to get out of this ticket. <laughs> Could be me. Yeah. I love lying. But. <laughs> <laughs> It could have been me. I would have done it. Yeah, You're so like giant bird man. What do you know? Not gonna believe this. You weren't there. <laughs> yeah, but like we can certainly assume that the story was at least in part exaggerated by scared people, um, and it especially gets like embellished over the years as people retell it and have their own sightings and new things get added to like the lore of this cryptid and like then you end up with mothman as like what he is today which is like a demonic or potentially extraterrestrial creature with claws and various monstrous features so yeah and i also was like was roger really going a hundred miles per hour (laughs) it seems like one of those like the fish was this big sort of like right yeah yeah i was like my husband is like and he gets it from his his mother but like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they are like serial number exaggerators. <laughs> like anytime my husband tells me a number of something that like sounds sort of amazing, I just sort of like mentally like <laughs> have it or third it in my head because I know that like it cannot be that much. <laughs> That's seasoning for the story. <laughs> yeah, I think he just like does not have a brain that remembers numbers. And so sometimes they always get multiplied by like at least two, maybe three. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's just how you spice up the story a little bit. You gotta zhuzh it yeah. up, make it fun. Yeah. So I was like, probably he was going slower than that and like at a speed that would make sense for a bird to be able to like follow. Also, it's extremely dangerous to be like driving that fast at night when you like in the mountains. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Can you imagine yeah. driving, like, through the mountains at yes. in the middle of the night at 100 miles per hour? You'd fucking die. 
Yeah, yeah, like, this is a very rural area. Like, Point Pleasant is, like, a very small town, and, yeah, so there's not I guess I'm, I'm assuming that it's in the mountains, but it might not. Yeah, no, you're, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's very rural. So that brings me to point number two, though, is, like, maybe they were just kind of inebriated. <laughs> and, like, imagined it, or, like, it got embellished because of that, because, like, they say they're like two young couples. They're out driving by the old abandoned National Guard's TNT site, whatever. It's like maybe they had some drinks. And this was in the sixties, you said? Yeah, like maybe notoriously they had other sober stuff. times when nobody did any. <laughs> yeah, like nobody, nobody was doing any psychedelic drugs that would have <laughs> given them any sort of experiences or perceptions that may not have aligned with That's reality. What I'm saying. So, like, maybe they're a little bit drunk or like something else is going on and it just makes it a little easier to either like just full-on hallucinate something that wasn't there or misidentify something that was and then like once it's out there and there's a news story about it then like everybody's seen mothman (laughs) someone intimately familiar with psychedelic drugs (laughs) i'm just saying if i was tripping and an owl flew over my car that would be a life-changing moment for me. I yeah. would shit my pants and then <laughs> never stop talking yeah. about it. That would be like yeah. a fundamental moment in my life because yeah. it's already the sort of thing that like alters your perception, makes your brain fill in blanks and makes your brain work overtime <laughs> into like, you know, uh, piecing information together that doesn't like making connections that aren't there yeah. and yeah. embellishing things that you're seeing. So like, yeah. I mean, obviously I don't know these people. I know nothing about these people. Yeah. And I, well, yeah. Uh, you know, since you brought it up. <laughs> no, I know. I, I listen, I don't know either. I don't want to like besmirch their memories, whatever, but it's like, I couldn't find a lot of information, like at least, in the time that I had to like dive into this of like what type of people they were or whatever, like maybe the background to the story is like, we were driving back from a church meeting. Like, I don't know, <laughs> like, but something tells me that's not it. Like, why are you driving past the old national guard armory at 1130 at night <laughs> with your friends? Like, like something people on do. your way back. Yeah, you're either on your way back from a party or like you are on your way to a party. Who says you didn't have a few drinks ahead of time? Um, I grew up in a rural area. Okay, that's the shit you do. (laughs) You go out into the woods, you do drugs, and then you drive home. That's what you do in the woods. Right. And like, this is like the 1960s. We're like in the Cold War. People are sort of freaked out about military stuff. You've got this old munitions factory out there. Like, I don't know, like, maybe it's where the kids all go to like, have some beers and freak each other out. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry to the Scarberries and the Millette's families. I know. I don't mean, Maybe to, they I don't mean were. to talk shit about these people that I know literally nothing about <laughs> other than this piece of information. But, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, it came to mind. Like, this could just be something going on. Uh, and then, you know, the third thing here is, like, maybe it was just all a hoax to begin with. Mm. Like, someone was out there messing with people and dressing up in a costume and, like, they got really freaked out because who wouldn't with someone, like, standing out? <laughs> Which is also some <laughs> shit people do. Yeah, right. (laughs) They do stuff like that. People are weird. Yes. And, like, we know that some of the stories from 
the original 1966 to 1967 sightings have been dismissed as hoaxes. So like we know at least some people got the idea to mess around during that time. So like who says it didn't all start with somebody like just fucking with them? (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe they were just fucking with other people. We don't know. (laughs) Like a lot of like cryptid sightings later on were like, oh yeah, we made that up. Like we were, we were goofing. Like I didn't think you guys would take it that seriously. But, yeah, like, yeah, yeah it could just as well have been someone just trying to mess with them. Exactly. Um, yeah, so that's that's sort of my extra thoughts about that. Um, I had some specific stuff jotted down for Chicago, but we already talked about the cranes because there are cranes in that <laughs> area. Um, and I think, you know, we've sort of established, like, I don't know, once one person sees it and, like, in a populated area, like the Chicago area, like the story gets out in the news, like people start to get freaked out. A bunch of people start to report sightings. Oh, right. Like how you see like UFO and like Martian, like uh, alien abduction reports, like skyrocket with the advent of like science fiction television, right? Like they start to see it on TV (laughs) and then all of a sudden people are reporting it that like you'd have a place where like it had never, nobody had ever in the history of the town ever said a single word about alien abductions and then like the advent of science fiction television and all of a sudden you get like dozens of reports of people like oh yeah that happened to me yeah yeah someone should like do that for the x-files like look (laughs) at (laughs) hear me out they should look at like when they went to specific locations and like did specific monsters or whatever and see if there's like a spike Mm -hmm. in reports of seeing them like after that episode aired. Which, I mean, that's not an unreasonable line of logic, where if you see something that you have no explanation for, you have no information for, it is completely yeah. foreign to you, you might not yeah. even have the language to describe what you saw. And, like, we already know about human memory, that, like, human yeah. memory is stored based on what you have language for, right? Like, if you yeah. have the language to describe it to yourself in your brain, you'll remember it that way. And, like, uh-huh. if you see something you have no frame of reference for, you're likely to just kind of, like, the mem- the details will be fuzzy. You maybe can't yes. recall it very well. But if you have something in your brain to think, that must be a thing I saw on yeah. TV, right? Yeah. Then, like, even – that can even later on, your brain can retroactively apply details yes. about the thing that you think it is, even if that's not what you yeah. saw. Yeah. So as soon as you tell people, oh, yeah, there's a Mothman, right? <laughs> then, mm-hmm. then, then later like, on. Oh, I like, saw this weird thing a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And then your brain is like, oh, yeah, that's what that was. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the curse of pattern recognition. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, brain. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so those are sort of my thoughts on, like, the legend and trying to debunk it. But now we should talk about some actual science. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Which is like, okay, let's say (laughs) there is a giant humanoid slash moth creature (laughs) flying around 
let's talk about moths a little bit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so moths basically they belong to the same like taxonomic family as butterflies. Um, with the sort of main difference being that moths are basically the nocturnal version of butterflies. So with butterflies, you see these bright colors and like flashy sort of like aesthetics. And that's because they're seen in the daytime, right? So like color is more important in the daytime because then things that are looking around in the day can see the colors that you are. But moths, since they fly around at night... They're usually these very like muted colors, uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, more, they're more built for camouflage. They don't want to be mm-hmm. seen like butterflies do. So they're made to like blend in with bark or blend in with leaf litter. Uh, you'll see these like grays and browns and stuff. Some of them will have really cool eye spots, uh, which is really, really cool. Uh, like, mm-hmm. I love that. I think it's a cool look. And then you'll get things like the Luna moth, right? Which is like one of the most gorgeous creatures in the world. Um, mm-hmm. But with moths, since they're nocturnal, they also have have these big antenna that are fluffy which i really love about like when i see like mothman fan art um it usually really leans into like the giant fluffy antenna uh which is really cool it's it's a cool adaptation that moths have that let them like bring in a lot of chemical signals and smells because since they're flying around at night they can't rely on vision so they have to use their chemical sensors to like fly around at night um their wings are covered in scales and the scales have this sort of like really fine dust on them so that if you ever like touch a moth like wings or something like that and then you look at your hand they'll kind of have like a Mm -hmm. a dust on them which i think is pretty neat i mentioned this earlier but a lot of moths once they reach their adult phase uh they don't have a mouth anymore (laughs) and they stop eating because they're only so they don't even have like a um like a proboscis? Yeah. Proboscis? Proboscis? Yeah, so the proboscis is, like, specific to butterflies. Um, You wouldn't see a moth oh, with a proboscis. I thought moths had them, too, and they were, like, also... I don't, I mean, doing plant stuff. As with anything in like biology, I never speak in absolutes, right? I know if I say okay. like none of them do, then there will be one of them that does, right? <laughs> <laughs> but like typically, you know, that's what you see the, the moths once they reach that like adulthood. That's like mating yeah. time, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with moths being insects, the thing that really sort of catches my attention about Mothman is the idea that it is a giant insect or is mm-hmm. at least some sort of intersection of insect and, and mammal or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think this is an interesting idea because it's not so far outside of the realm of possibility in the like history of the earth because there have been giant insects in the history of earth. Yeah. Um, not, but now not flying insects. There have been like very, very large flying insects, but like the, you know, eight to nine foot arthropods were not, they couldn't fly. So there's kind of like a mutually exclusive thing. Like which one is it going to be? Is it going to be eight feet tall or flying? Like you can't really have both. Um, there's like a scaling issue there (laughs) where like (laughs) the larger they are, the heavier they are. And like insect muscles are like. Like, arthropod muscles are very, like, hydraulics-based. So, like, yeah. at really, really large sizes, they just can't get the sort of, like, power. Uh, I Yeah. I was told this by a, a biologist who was talking about why, uh, who is it? Shil- is it Shalob? Shalob? The giant spider from The Lord of the Rings? Oh, sh- isn't Shelob? Shelob, yeah. Uh, why that wouldn't be possible. Because oh, they can't reach large sizes because of the hydraulics of their legs. Uh 
There you so go. So you couldn't have like an arthropod <laughs> at that size. But I did want to talk about the history of giant insects because it's really, okay. really interesting. And it ties into- we have had giant insects in the past. We have. <laughs> but there's a very good reason why we don't have them anymore and why we okay. physically could not have- a moth the size of a man. Like, it is physically yeah. impossible. And that is because <laughs> if you go all the way back, all the way, way, way back. So arthropods, which I've used that word a lot, but I haven't really said what that means for people not super familiar with what they are. Um, it's an animal with exoskele- with an exoskeleton. So things like insects, spiders, crabs, shellfish, like stuff like that. Those are arthropods. Um, you, they, they're kind of like the robot-y looking, <laughs> the robot looking critters. They have like jointed limbs and a hard chitinous exoskeleton. Mm-hmm. And arthropods were the first animals to leave the water. So there's a 530 million year old fossil of footprints left by an arthropod that is uh, currently the oldest known fossil suggesting terrestrial I animals. I've ever seen that. Yeah. Now I have to Google it. It's really, I mean, I'm sure it's just little like dots, right? Like it's just little, yeah. little pricks from like the little. But I don't even know that existed. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes this, these are like things like, listen, I had to take like, paleontology class (laughs) class for geology and stuff and sometimes it's like maybe i just like didn't catch it at the time but like things that science communication people come up with to share that's like man if people have been telling me stuff like that like i would have been so much more excited but that's why i love like doing science communication stuff because it gives me an excuse to look up stuff that i wouldn't have otherwise ever known right uh, yeah. like it prompts you to like learn stuff that you're like, oh wow, holy shit, that's cool. Yeah, to people listening, just to like grasp like how amazing it is for to have something that old that is like preserved, like a trace fossil like that is super cool. Yeah, it's it's so. extremely dramatic. <laughs> so, um, you know, a few hundred million years later, there is the Carboniferous period, uh, which, I mean, if you are a geologist and have knowledge of <laughs> geology and are probably familiar with the Carboniferous period. But the sort of important thing for this about the Carboniferous period is that plants have a moment in the Carboniferous period. It's like this rapid diversification of plants. You start to get these like lush rainforests and really dense plant life that you really didn't have on land Mm -hmm. up until that point in time. So this huge influx of plants means the atmosphere gets just pumped full of oxygen. So there's way, way, way more oxygen in the air and in the atmosphere. So at that time in the Carboniferous, the atmosphere was about 35% oxygen, uh, whereas right now it's around 20%. So way more oxygen in the air at that time. Yeah. The reason this is important for arthropods is because arthropods don't breathe the way that we do. We have to like bring air in, into our lungs. There's just kind of the one opening, right? It's it's a little bit of yeah. a clunky process for us. But for arthropods, <laughs> instead, their respiratory system is more like a series of like tubes. And the tubes open directly out the sides of the body. Um, in like kind of opening into these little openings called spiracles that just open directly yeah. out out the sides of the body. So air just kind of like flows in through the sides, Uh through all of these different openings in the arthropod's body. And then oxygen just diffuses into their tissues, like from this network of tubes through their body. Yeah. So this is 
awesome if there's a lot of <laughs> oxygen just like in the air around you because you're just bringing yeah. a ton of oxygen. So arthropods in the Carboniferous period grow to these just like mind-boggling sizes for now, right? Um, yeah. So the largest insect that ever flew was a dragonfly-like. It wasn't exactly a dragonfly, but it was like kind of like dragonflies. Um, it was called mm-hmm. Meganeura. And it had a two, well, that's like the genus. That's not the exact species, but like they belong to the Uh genus Meganeura and they had a two foot wingspan. So (laughs) if you imagine something like a dragonfly with a wingspan about the length of your arm, uh, that's what was flying through the air (laughs) in the Carboniferous. Like if you Google Carboniferous and like look at Google images for it, like there's always a giant dragonfly in it. It's like swampy. (laughs) What you think of as, like, the intro from, like, the land before time through, like, that really, like, wet, swampy sort of, like, that's what you're thinking of. Everything looks weird and everything's, like, spiky. I mean, it looks like a different planet. Yeah, it's so crazy. (laughs) Yeah, look up uh, Meganeura and you'll feel so thankful that you live now (laughs) and not then. Yeah, although, like, there are enormous bugs that are alive now that are, like, Absolutely not still. So there are, but like now <laughs> the largest arthropod I'm pretty sure is like a Japanese spider crab, um, which is a, a crab who, you know, their legs can reach a length of like 12 feet long, but their yeah, body but is their still bodies really small. Are like, so, you know, for yeah. what that's worth. But like coconut crabs exist. So that, that's the know. thing. <laughs> but at the time, so the largest, <laughs> crabs are just giant bugs. <laughs> they are. They are. This is a meaningless distinction. <laughs> Um, the, uh, but the largest arthropod that ever walked on the land was, um, a genus called Arthropleura, which were millipedes, giant millipedes that could reach lengths of eight feet or more. I love millipedes. They're such friendly little guys. At least it wasn't, at least it wasn't a centipede, you know? (laughs) That's true. Centipedes are the mean ones. Yeah. Well, I'm like... I don't know if you've ever spent any time in, like, the southwest of the desert. And, like, I haven't. Seen... Yeah. Well, I visited my friend in New Mexico, and, like, bugs just... I mean, it's just, like, a thing. Like, they just were get into your house, whatever. But, yeah, this, like, giant centipede got into the house. <laughs> and we were all... It was, like, me and my friend and another friend of ours, and we just, like, put a Tupperware over it. And just put a book on That's it. it. And we were like, that <laughs> is for my friend's husband to deal it's with It's a load-bearing like, Tupperware now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, going nowhere. I can't deal with that bug. Here's the thing. We've talked about this before because we talked about it on Spellbound and Gag. I have, like, a thing about bugs that are, like, generally harmless right. to me. But, like, I don't – I really don't like grasshoppers. <laughs> Bizarre. Insane. But also moths really kind of freak me out. Moths can – they couldn't even touch you. Like <laughs> I know, but like they fly at your face, and I it's don't unpredictability. Like that. And when moths fly, yeah. it's very fluttery yeah. too. You know, like yeah. it's very rapid and erratic. Yeah. Like I could see why that yeah. would be unsettling. It's like I'm not gonna do any. It just freaks me. I out. I feel that. But like, yeah. Ugh. And centipedes are another one. We don't have to worry about them being giant anymore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because. Sorry, I've totally do. No, know. you're good. I'm, I'm wrapping up. <laughs> because uh, the high amounts of oxygen in the atmosphere was working out amazing for arthropods until 
the Carboniferous rainforest collapse when there was this climate shift that turned the sort of like temperatures got much colder, the air got much drier. It was not happy rainforest hours at that time. So a lot of the plants <laughs> died off. There was a mass extinction that really affected plants. Um, and since those rainforests really kind of quit, you see oxygen levels plummet. Since there's less oxygen in the atmosphere, bugs could not support like they, there wasn't enough oxygen in the atmosphere th- for them to be taking in enough oxygen from the air around them. So they couldn't survive at these massive sizes anymore. So they got small again, or at least the ones that were big went extinct and couldn't survive. But the ones that were small survived and went on to see another day. But uh, I found this really interesting when I was looking up uh, notes for this. There was a 2010 study in which dragonflies were raised in this sort of like lab setting where they exposed the larvae to different levels of oxygen during their development. And the dragonflies exposed to higher amounts of oxygen did in fact grow larger than the other dragonflies, (laughs) which is interesting because that's kind of like a holdout from their like evolutionary history, right? That like more oxygen gives you a bigger bug. So... If you've ever been, like, grateful that bugs are still small, just thank our oxygen-poor atmosphere. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! Yay! Less (laughs) oxygen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of why, like, you physically could not have a moth of that size. Mm -hmm. Of course, like, when we're in cryptid territory, right, there's always, like, that element of, like, the paranormal or the supernatural, right, that's like, Mm -hmm. well, he's not a normal moth, right? Like... (laughs) (laughs) it's not a normal moth like yeah of course it's also a man right like yeah a moth couldn't grow to this like seven foot size but also moths don't have arms and legs and yeah right so i mean i'm sure there's an element of supernatural to it but uh physically speaking but it's also just like the perfect time for that story to have happened Mm -hmm. like post world war ii we're like in the atomic age we're in the cold war like you know, comic books are a thing now with like superheroes fighting weird things. And I don't know. I'm sure if it hadn't <laughs> been Mothman, it would have been something else, right? Like it would have been something else. It would have been something. They were due for a cryptid. We needed a new one. <laughs> <laughs> Although I guess you're still, uh, are you before or after the Patterson Gilman Bigfoot film? When was that? It was 1967. So it was like within, it was like the same year. The Mothman stuff, they take that Bigfoot film. A real cryptid moment, huh? It was. The 60s were serious. (laughs) Um, Goofy-ass decade. (laughs) It's all been downhill since then. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, that was, okay, that was you. And Gimlin, I want to say Gelman or something. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm glad there aren't giant bugs. I'm also glad there aren't (laughs) giant bugs. I lived in the closest thing to the Carboniferous period, which is Florida, (laughs) coastal Florida. And uh, we got pretty close, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's true. Yeah, it is. It is fun to look at Carboniferous pictures, though, and drawings, because it just doesn't even look like the same planet. But living in Florida in the summer, you would welcome a two-foot dragonfly with open arms. You'd be like, please, please, for the love of God, please live in my backyard and eat the legions and legions of mosquitoes, please. I'm begging. Oh, I thought you were 
and then, like, just like let it take you away and eat well, you because you didn't want. <laughs> listen, if not the mosquitoes, then maybe me instead. <laughs> My kingdom for away. a two foot wide dragonfly. <laughs> That's all I have to say about Mothman. I'm pro Mothman. Giant bugs. I like Mothman. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of Mothman. He's <laughs> real to me. <laughs> He's real to me. Uh yeah. I'm like I I'm pretty sure it's an owl though. Yeah. Which is like funny because he's like the second of like sort of the big cryptids or whatever like flatwoods and mothman mm. is like are both owls they're both from west virginia and it's like we joked last time we're like do west virginia people like just not know about owls like <laughs> why i think there's just like a really really sort of like rich folklore yeah like- no i know it's just like a prime time and place to develop that sort of thing. And like with the Flatwoods monster, like Mothman is a whole thing. There's a whole festival, like Point Pleasant has really bought in. There's the statue that people visit. So yeah. (laughs) For an episode of our podcast, we don't usually talk about cryptids, but um, I had a guest on who is an archeologist who joined me Mm -hmm. to talk about Bigfoot and shared some really, really (laughs) cool like perspective on Bigfoot as like, um, Bigfoot legends as like cultural memory, uh, okay. as like a uh, part of oral history that could be left over from like times when oh, ancient like yeah. human relatives that are now extinct, yes, like could have been around. <laughs> I mean, that's obviously like Bigfoot mythology goes back like thousands of years, and this is something that's mm-hmm. from like the sixties, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but I think like having that idea in my head of like you can separate the idea of something being literally physically real from being like real in the sense that like it has a cultural impact right like it has a culture around it and it has like it has meaning to people like it can be real in that sense Mm -hmm. without needing to like be a thing that you could like touch with your hand Yes. And something else we talked about was like how it is so like weird for humans to be like the only member of our genus at this point, mm-hmm. how we're like evolutionarily lonely and like yeah. just have a tendency to want to like look for like relatives because it's it's unusual for like an animal to be the only member of its genus, right? So we're like, is that yeah. our cousin? Is that one of our cousins? Because they're all extinct. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like, I mean, you know, we feel evolutionary lonely, but it's like, well, the apes are still around. They're here. And we're just the last of like the, what are we? The last homo. Our hominid is the word I'm searching for. Yeah. Yeah, like we're the last, you know, the last one to have made it this far. It's like, I don't know. We're just always on the lookout. For somebody else. Are we alone? Yeah. Yeah. Cryptids are just like us searching for like something else out there. That's what it all is. It's ghosts. It's this is really becoming like a profound realization. It's like a very exist. It's like an existential crisis <laughs> as a human. Yeah, we're all just looking for something else. And, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we have any near relatives who are also part moth. Missed opportunity. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's all the thoughts that I have about this. Do you have anything else? Or are you feeling good? I'm good. I've right. emptied my brain. <laughs> good. <laughs> I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, so remind us of 
where people can find you, names of your shows again, just like general information. Ellen has a TikTok too, which is great. So <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Um, So my family friendly animal podcast is just the zoo of us, which is on the Maximum Fun Network and can be found anywhere you get podcasts. My not safe for work uh, podcast <laughs> is called Spellbound and Gagged. It's uh, also anywhere where podcasts are found. Not a ton of episodes about that, but Later in the fall, I will be back in the saddle on that one. So that one's coming back soon. I promise. <laughs> and then, like Megan mentioned, I have been very active on TikTok recently. I do a lot of science uh -huh. communication on there. I mostly talk about animals and nature and evolution and stuff like that. But sometimes I pepper in other interesting stuff that comes up. Um, and I have a lot of fun and try to be really responsive on there. So if anyone uses TikTok, uh, come come hang out with me on there. It's at Ellen.Weatherford. Okay. And we'll, I'll put links to it and stuff awesome. in the show notes. You just search but. my name. I promise I'm, I promise you'll get there. <laughs> that wraps up our episode on Mothman. Join us next time for episode 70 on spooky geology. If you liked this episode, hit subscribe and share with a friend. Check the show notes for links to all of our social media accounts, our Discord server, and Patreon. If you have any questions about previous topics or ideas for future episodes, email us at SpookyScienceSisters at gmail.com. And make sure you get those spooky stories for our Halloween listener stories episode in as soon as possible. As always, thank you for listening and stay spooky. Spooky Science Sisters is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information or to check out other shows, please visit evergreenpodcasts.com. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight cisgender white men, and the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth, and together we host Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.